Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, March 11th, 2012. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. What year did you just say? Sorry. I don't know. It should have been 2022. I think you said 2012. Oh, I don't know. What I what could be you? rewind the tape on that yeah. one. It's 2022, yeah. but doesn't really matter. No, I mean, does it mean anything? Time is but an illusion. And speaking of that, um, former Broadway radio guest uh, Mason Alexander Park has joined the cast for the upcoming reboot of Quantum Leap. I saw so, that. Yeah, very exciting. So Glad for loved- them to always get more work. Yeah, I loved that show growing up, yeah. so I'm very excited. And this is apparently going to be like a continuation. Like, it's a new person who is trying to find Ooh. Dr. Samuel Beckett, who got lost in time, like, on, on his last leap. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to focus on a new person trying to find Sam Beckett. Interesting. So, okay. Anyway. But anyway, it's, like- <laughs> it's 2022. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. And today, Friday the 11th, is the day before I'm heading up to New York. So that means Fact. over the weekend, I will have a special episode in which I run through my schedule. If you are interested in that, people always ask me. So I figured putting something in the Patreon feed um, will do that. So I will put a Patreon episode up on Saturday before I head out. So you can uh, follow along with everything I'm, that I'm you. doing. Yes, that has happened. Um, I will also on Friday have an episode with Stephanie Torns talking about her upcoming 54 Below show. If you want to listen to that, she will be at 54 Below on Sunday night. So there were, there are tickets available. I chatted with her, so you can hear that in the feed. Then in the regular feed on Saturday as well, Jan Simpson's All the Drama, in which she looks at Of the I Sing, will hit the regular feed. And uh, then we'll have This Week on Broadway on Sunday. So a very busy uh, week in all of our feeds. Check it out by heading over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. And speaking of busy, right now as we are getting ready, as we are recording, um, two companies are getting ready to perform one for the first time and one for the only time. Um, The only time over at Carnegie Hall, they are having the Master Voices concert for Anyone Can Whistle that neither you and I are (laughs) there for, which makes us both very sad. Mm -hmm. But then over at the Helen Hayes Theater, uh, second stage is Broadway revival of Richard Greenberg's Take Me Out is beginning performances starring Jesse Williams, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, uh, and a a whole host of others. So we will... uh, It's very busy. Uh, Stuff is going on. I will be seeing... um, Take me out over the weekend. I don't remember what time or date, but you will hear Sweet. it in our Patreon feed uh, when I tell you my schedule. But oh, yeah, that's the only baseball I'll be seeing this spring, I guess. No, so. no, you didn't hear. They no, made it, they came to a resolution. A CBA oh, has been approved. Oh, so. thank goodness. See, you could tell I've been off the radar. <laughs> yes, so uh, <laughs> it's been approved. I believe April fourteenth oh, is currently slated to be the uh, the start of the season. So. Much better. Yeah. Anyway, all right, Ashley, let's get into the news, and let's start with a, I guess, disappointing, but not really all that surprising bit mm-hmm. of news. As yesterday, Actors' Equity Association released their third diversity and inclusion hiring bias report. Because these things take forever, this actually reflects the year 2020, which kind of seems unhelpful ah. to me, considering yeah. how little live theater hiring there actually was that year, but that's... Uh, Another topic. Um, Anyway, the findings indicate that white men made more than white women and white non-binary people for the same amount of work. Shocking. Um, Yeah, hugely. And and that nationally, equity members of color uh, earned an average of 91.8% of what white members made per week. 
The report also showed that contracts going to members of color increased marginally from 21.5% in the years uh, 2016 through 2019. That went up a little more than three and a quarter points to 24.77%. In 2020, stage managers jobs continue to go most often to white workers, and there are stark pay gaps um, along racial and gender lines for stage managers as well. Equity members who are disabled, transgender or over 65 tend to earn less than the industry average. It's a little interesting to me in this conversation, though, Ashley, as we talk about the pay gaps in equity. And the reason is, is because a lot of these things have there. I mean, they all have contractual minimums and oftentimes, unless it's a Broadway or major off Broadway show, especially regionally, like everyone's getting rate, you know, everyone's getting the normal rate that is contractually uh, guaranteed them by equity. So a lot of the margins here are made up. By a small amount of people. That's why when you scroll through this report, like I'm looking at the section pay disparity across gender and job category. It's, it's very strange to me because as I look at chorus, let's say, um, well, I'll do it this way. Non-binary and people who prefer to self-identify who, so basically they say they, they don't want to be described as male or female. That could be because they don't see themselves as other male or female or they just prefer Mm -hmm. not to answer. They are, they receive less for roles as principals in plays and principals in musicals than their counterparts, significantly That's so surprising. in musicals. But for chorus roles, they receive about $800 more per week on average than their male and female counterparts. So my point is not that like, oh my God, those non-binary people are making a ton in chorus roles. My point is, is yeah, that like these like numbers five are- five of them that have been exactly. hired anyway. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's that some of these numbers are skewed. And so it's always like, especially for like 2020, that's kind of my point. Like there's just not enough data to really, I feel like, make a whole lot out of this. I mean, especially because it basically says what has always been said. So like when you see like the big numbers um, breaking down between male and female, it's our men and women, they have it broken down by male or female. It is okay. Pretty, pretty identical. So it's just like, there's not a lot of data there. And when there are major disparities, like that could be like, hey, Brian Cranston did a show, so he made a shit ton of money. That's you know? exactly what I was going to say. Like, it's really hard to kind of comment on this for a number of reasons, one of which being like a lot of those numbers end up being the outliers with people like Brian Cranston, people like Patty Lapone, people like whomever, and comparing Midler, their yeah. number, Bette Midler, yeah, and comparing their numbers. So yeah, you may have someone like Jeff Daniels making more money than, you know, whomever, Audrey McDonald. Um, that's the case across this, you know industries at this point, across film, TV, stage. Um, and something that we are going to continue to talk about forever, it seems at this point, something that we've definitely been talking about a lot in recent years. It's also hard to comment on this because, as you said, this is from 2020. So there is not a lot <laughs> of, uh, you know, there was two months and a week of theater that we could actually talk about. But, you know, and, and then also, you know, we had 
a few months later, we had a whole conversation about Black Lives Matter and talking about mm-hmm. racial inequity in theater and also gender inequity in theater. I would love to see the numbers now because I think those are going to yeah. be really fascinating and how That's where little you'll learn I sometime. expect to, that have to change. Totally. But yeah, it's, it, I, I get it's really hard to comment on this. None of it is surprising from what we're seeing. Um, and it's going to be a matter of like getting today's numbers to kind of really make sense of what's going on in the industry. What I will say as far as like what is today going on in the industry and kind of talking about diversity, diversity, equity and inclusion and something that a lot of people, including our own Grace Aki has said is just how little the league and theater in general is standing up for trans and non-binary people at the moment. Mm-hmm. I find that incredibly discouraging in every possible way. Yeah, you're specifically talking about what's happening in Texas and even here in Florida. It's it's really a, a pretty stark reminder of yeah. And and what's crazy about it is is that it's not even just like those organizations who I don't no. expect a lot from. It's I mean. Even the artists themselves have not been especially yeah, yeah, yeah. vocal. Like there's 100%. been some here or there. Um, I've seen, you know, Audrey McDonald and Ariana DeBose, you know, doing stuff, you know, people sure. like individually, but there really hasn't been a ton. So, but it's, but, uh, but I bring that up because, you know, I'm talking about that this is from 2020 and we don't have today's numbers. Like we have a glance right. of what we see happening in the industry right now. And I can kind of assume what those numbers are going to look like, at least in terms of like trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming actors. We're going to have to see what racial inequity numbers look like. I'm sure they're not going to be any better from what we're getting now. And I hate to be pessimistic about that, but we have that trend, unfortunately. Yeah, the one number that I do want to throw in here um, that I think is something that equity needs to identify a way to fix. And I think it's actually something that when they opened up the eligibility requirements last year, and we talked about this, not only was that a money grab because they needed money because there was nothing coming course, in from equity yeah. contracts, but I also think it was a huge, important move for accessibility to the league. But as of 2019-2020, only 18.6% of equity members self-identified as people of color. That's absurd. Yeah. Um, that's less than half of the general population of the United States, which is uh, pretty much at 40% of people who identify as people of color. To me, the individual, like we talked about earlier, reasons because averages don't tell you a whole lot in terms of, right. of money. That So that doesn't – I mean, obviously, the pay gaps are, are important, but – what you know worries me more is the membership numbers and that's something that equity can can and should be doing something about but anyway let's move on because it's 2020 numbers we don't have a ton of stuff to Mm. talk about but let's talk about something that i guess is something that's really exciting i I, i'm not sure if people get excited as, as excited about this as i do because i usually come in during these specific times of years yeah <laughs> but yesterday broadway cares equity fights aids announced that their in theater red bucket fundraising will be returning on march 18th in time for me to see three or four shows i think three shows um with the actual red bucket fundraising the post show audience appeals which take 
place twice a year um, have been shut down during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, of course, companies on Broadway as well as off Broadway and national touring companies will return to this starting a week from today. And of course, donations go to support emergency assistance and social services programs of the Actors Fund and provide funding for 450 local social service organizations in all 50 states, Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. Broadway Cares also announced that the two-day Easter bonnet competition, which is often part of this spring fundraising campaign, will not return this year, but is going to be back in April of 2023. The Red Bucket Follies, which is the fall version of that, um, will return to Broadway's New Amsterdam Theater this year, December 5th and 6th. So, Things getting back to normal. Normal ish. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. That's always good. I love Red Bucket season. I'm 100% with you because, you know, besides just the donation and fundraising aspect of it for an an organization I love and care about Mm -hmm. very much, you get some really cool things from the season. I mean, they always say, hey, go to the lobby and spend $100 on a window card signed by everybody in the cast. I am 100% here for that all the time. I, I think it's been lost over the years of moves Mm -hmm. or damage, but I bought, I paid like a hundred bucks for a window card signed by a a cast of Rent. I don't remember which cast it was. I still, I still have a playbill signed by the Brian Stokes Mitchell cast of Man of La Mancha. I have that. Very nice. Stuff like that. Like I'm happy to throw down some extra money in addition to the exorbitant amount of money that I paid for the tickets uh, to get some of those things (laughs) because I know it goes to a good cause and I get something cool out of it. All right, let's get into some other news. First up, yesterday it was announced that the most recent Princess Anna in Frozen on Broadway, Mackenzie Kurtz, will be stepping into the same role in the North American tour that I just saw beginning next Thursday, March 17th. She will just be playing three weeks in the show through April 11th. Um, she will be replacing current tour Anna Caroline Interbickler, who will be giving her final performance on March 13th. What's fun about this is that we already talked about the fact that Ryan McCartan is planning to come into the show, I believe, on March 17th as well to take over as Hans for one month. As mm-hmm. current Hans, Austin Colby, has something else to do that we aren't allowed to discuss at this point. Uh-huh. Um, but So that'll be fun. They will be reunited uh, after getting their uh, their Broadway run cut short by COVID. So congratulations to them. Very nice. Um, Also, we learned yesterday about an honor that is coming that's far overdue, uh, but not by anyone's fault. But we learned that Broadway theaters will dim their lights on March 22nd in memory of former Schubert chairman Philip J. Smith. Smith, who passed away in January of 2021, um, served, (laughs) he worked at the Schubert organization since 1957. Oh my God. Up until he retired. Uh, as the chairman of the organization in 2020. Um, like I said, he died at the age of 89 at the beginning of the pandemic. For obvious reasons, Broadway could not, mm-hmm. or not the beginning of the pandemic, beginning of 2021. Mm-hmm. So obviously because of the pandemic, they couldn't do this honor, um, you know, right away. And they decided to hold it until March 22nd. Yeah. The theater marquees will go dark for one minute at 6.30 p.m., um, and this will take place a couple hours after a public memorial celebration will be held at the Music Box Theater at 1 p.m. And then this was going all over the social meds oh on God, yes. Wednesday. 
The great T. Oliver Reed stepped up in a big way over at Hades Town on Wednesday night. The company had to cancel the Wednesday matinee because of how many people were out due to COVID, apparently. And they yeah, were in a pretty 13 minutes before, apparently, too. Yeah, pretty rough, pretty rough. Oof. Um, but here's the thing. So Jewel Blackman, who is normally one of the fates, she had to step in mm-hmm. and play Persephone. That meant um he had to uh they didn't really have anyone else to play a fate. Yeah. I've seen T. Oliver Reed go on as Hades. I also saw him as Agwe uh go on in uh in, in Once on this Island. But Ooh, T. Oliver yeah. Reed, who has been with the show since the beginning, decided to don the Fates costume and go <laughs> on as one of the Fates with Emily Afton, who was on because um Joel was out, and then Kay Trinidad, who's one of the normal fates. Uh, Jesse Shelton um, wasn't in, and I don't know. She covers Eurydice, so I don't know if she was in for yeah. Eurydice or if she was out because um, of COVID or something else. But I can't remember. I saw Reed, the I saw the understudy list, and I don't remember seeing her name. I can't remember though. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either with all of the movement and stuff. But <laughs> so much. T jumping in there is very very cool. There's a, a picture, a picture from Instagram of him in the Fates Looks costume. Amazing, yeah, yeah. T Oliver Reed, who's the dance captain, of course, and swing, swing understudy and- of everything ever. Yeah. Uh, looks amazing, and I'm not one to usually advocate for a bootleg, except I always am. But I would like <laughs> that footage immediately. Yeah, it's great because obviously the Fates are all normally played by women, but yeah. T has like full goatee facial hair, so yeah. it's great that. But he's got the makeup on uh, as well. It's fantastic. so good. So good. All right, real quick, let's wrap up with a few feel good recommendations. The first one, Ashley, since you and I are not at Carnegie Hall on yeah, Thursday cool. night, here is some rehearsal footage uh, for anyone can whistle. It starts off with a bunch of interviews with the stat with the cast, and then finishes with some rehearsals. And then mm. get ready. Book your trip over to the uh, to the New York Public Library. Actually, it's streaming, but it's streaming from the <laughs> New York Public Library. This is a rarely seen 1975 interview. Uh, can part of it the what the NYPL is calling the Creative Process series that that was between Stephen Sondheim and Harold Prince. <sighs> it is streaming for free with a registration March 22nd at 5:30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, yeah. Um, it, it was actually conducted by New Yorker writer and critic Brendan Gill, and it talks about everything from company, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, Candide, Allegro, Do I Hear a Waltz, and the then still in development Pacific Overtures. Wild. It was recorded on June 2nd, 1975. So what an absolutely uh, amazing thing. I will be back home by then. I won't be traveling, so I'm going to have to tune in to see that. That's a very important date. So I feel like yes, I will probably, yes, I feel like I will probably be doing something Sondheim related that night, but I will absolutely be watching that stream as part of it. Absolutely. All right, everybody, that's all we have. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. And bringing it back, hashtag BWW Matt takes Manhattan. Oh, here we won't go. Be doing, won't be doing episodes every day, but if you have questions, thoughts, concerns, something for the good of the order, send them over there and I'll start answering them beginning on Saturday's uh, show rundown episode. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at no, this is Ashley. Hashtag Ashley takes Manhattan because she <laughs> lives here. I look for, you need to do a trip where you only see shows in Brooklyn so you can do a takes Brooklyn Hashtag. 
I mean, I, I, I will occasionally get out to Brooklyn to see shows. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I do fairly regularly, but I don't know that there's enough for a mm. whole trip. I mean, is I, there is there 20 things that I want to see in Brooklyn at any given time? Sure. <laughs> Some really immersive, odd things, I'm sure. Yeah, just, Some just things go, that take place at a park, you know. Yeah, I'm going to go sit in a Dumbo and just have some popcorn and watch people and call it a show. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, Broadway Radio.com slash Patreon. Have a wonderful weekend. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>